Hi guys, it's David, uh, reporting from the Los Angeles Film Festival. I am actually not at the Los Angeles Film Festival at the moment. I am in my car. I am recording while driving. And uh, I'm on my way to the film festival on Monday. But what I wanted to do, this this little podcast update is mostly just a a sort of reminder to tell you to go to the website, which uh, I'll be going into each of the films I saw in a little more detail than I will here on the podcast, but I wanted to let the podcast listeners know about that and also give them an impression of the films that I've seen. I'm not going to talk about everything, but I'll talk about some highlights and lowlights of the festival so far, and I'll do a couple more of these as the festival goes on as well as a couple more of the write-ups on the website. So uh, let's jump into it then, and let's start with the good stuff. Um, Friday night, I saw uh, a film that I'd been very much looking forward to, as I talked about on the preview episode. I saw a film called Winter in the Blood, which is uh, the follow-up, the second film, finally, from Alex and Andrew Smith, who made The Slaughter Rule in 2002. Uh, And I... Uh, I, I really I, I can't say I can't say that I liked Winter in the Blood as much as I loved The Slaughter Rule, but I did really enjoy uh, this film. It, it, it very much is in the same sort of um, unpretentiously impressionistic or poetic sort of um, rural vibe. Uh, still Montana as The Slaughter Rule was, but this one, as opposed to being about a sad, troubled. Uh, white kid was is about a sad troubled native american adult uh who is uh basically a drunk and uh sets out on a little journey to go into town and get the rifle the the rifle that his wife took when she left him uh and he has a bunch of adventures some of which may not be real may not have actually happened because he's drunk all the time but it's um it really is, uh, like I said, it's it's art filmmaking without being snobbish about it. Uh, it, it 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 was it was really effective, um, and much like the slaughter, slaughter rule, and much like many of the better art films out there, it was funny. Not throughout. It's it's very sad the movie, but it has lots of jokes, lots of uh, not just jokes, but but uh, uh, sort of more madcap humor. You know, there's a there's a chase scene, and and uh, it's David Morris as you've never seen him. You know, he tends to play sort of um, taciturn uh, characters um, or you know strong silent types. He's a very boisterous. Uh, criminal slash airplane pilot who again may not actually exist so that was definitely one of the good ones uh that i saw the next one that i saw that same night was a a film that i will never forget uh it's it's something i'd heard a little bit about as i talked about on, on the preview episode but i'm glad i didn't know as much about it as a lot of people seem to it's called the act of killing and it's a documentary about uh these Indonesian, essentially gangsters who were put in charge of death squads in 1965 and 1966 to eradicate the uh, communists and and the Chinese and other dissidents uh, from Indonesia. And these killings are said to claim uh, you hear anywhere from 400,000 to 3 million people. Uh, And these 
gangsters were in charge of it, and they are now sort of folk heroes. They, they, uh, there's never been any war crimes tribunals or anything. The people, because the people are still in power. The 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 government that uh, ordered these executions are still in power. So no one's ever paid for them, and no one. It the film starts to see that almost no one in Indonesia really has considered how awful they are or at least no one we see because um, these people are again they're still considered heroes of the of the recent of recent history and what's more bizarre about the premise of the movie is that this filmmaker Joshua Oppenheimer went down there to Indonesia and uh basically set out to make a mood to make recreations of these guys um tactics and executions in their own however they want and these guys are big uh you know fans of uh movies a lot of american movies and so you see them acting out things playing both themselves the killers and their own victims but in the style of like the godfather or uh classic American westerns or musicals even um, and I know uh, again see my review on the uh, my, my write up of uh, it's called Los Angeles Film Festival Part 1 on the on the website to go into more detail but it if you're thinking that that sounds cynical or glib don't because I would have thought if I'd known going in what the film was about I probably would have thought the same thing but that's not uh that's not the case that's not what it is it's a it goes places i didn't see coming and wouldn't have dared think were coming uh and and it's uh it's a really effective movie that i will never forget i will probably never watch it again because it's one of the most disturbing things things i've ever seen but i almost can't wait to watch it again because it's also one of the most one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. Um, I want to move on to a film that I I hope it's, it's a tiny film. I hope it gets uh, gets seen because I I really loved it. It's called My Sister's Quinceanera, and it's um, basically the 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 lead character is the oldest son, oldest child in this um, large Latino family living in uh, Muscatine, Iowa, and it it. It follows just a couple, I guess, weeks. It's not clear exactly how much time, but we a few weeks leading up to the 15-year-old daughter's quinceanera. Um, but it's not really about her. It's about him, the older brother, and how uh, he's the only one out of high school in in the in the clan. Um, there, the the mother is 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 there raising the family, but it also works because the father is not there. There's an implication that he's. Um, still on the other side of the border, um, and is, is you know he doesn't seem like a you know an asshole or anything. It seems like maybe he's sending the money, but he's not there. So Silas, the lead character, has to be the uh, as his mom calls him the man of the house. Uh, but also this guy is though he's a sort of quiet and unassuming type that you know likes to play video games and might come across as lazy. He's actually really intelligent and ambitious, and he wants to go to college. And the film just... It's not a film where a whole bunch of stuff happens. It's mostly just a few weeks of him 
taking care of, of his siblings, but also the deadline for registering for college is approaching. And that's that's all that's happened. But uh, this filmmaker, um, uh, Aaron Douglas Johnston, I think is his name, really uh, really got a, a great cast of, of people, many of whom I think are non-actors, it seems, uh, and really just captured them being themselves and really knew how to... He, he really... I'm going to stop saying really here, but he showed uh, uh, an adroitness at turning the camera on people who probably... There's probably tons of just footage of uh, 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 of these people improvising or just talking, and he, he found the stuff that's the right stuff for, for the movie, and there's all these tiny, quiet uh, moments that you, you have to wonder if the actors even saw them coming or meant them or if they just sort of came out organically in the uh i'd like to know more about this guy's directorial process because i found the movie really fascinating and really uh fun and easy to watch um speaking of fun you wouldn't expect a documentary about um scientists and artists charting previously uncharted fjords uh, in northern Greenland to be a whole lot of fun. Interesting, maybe, uh, educative, uh, edu- <laughs> educational, um, <laughs> uh, certainly, but uh, this documentary called The Expedition to the End of the World is about this team of scientists and artists who take a boat up to these fjords that you can you haven't been able to be accessed by humanity for thousands of years, maybe tens of thousands of years, um, uh, but because the weather is changing the path the the water is that leads to them is is melting and staying melted for only about three weeks a year now so they have three weeks to go up there where no one has been in perhaps tens of thousands of years and chart stuff and discover stuff and take samples and also the artists obviously uh take photographs and they draw pictures and of course they make a documentary (laughs) but uh the the what makes it so fascinating so fun is that the filmmaker he's not irreverent but he's not overly reverent about it either and neither are the scientists or artists they're having a good time and they're uh sort of fucking with each other and joshing with each other in the way that uh very intelligent people uh can you know with with words uh and there's just a, a lot of banter a lot of fun with uh them trying to find at first trying to find and secondly trying to keep their stuff away from polar bears uh there's also a number of shots of fish being gutted and incapitated so if that's if your stomach is weak uh be careful but uh basically the you know this is a movie that uh ponders what we mean when we say the end of the world um, not just the geographical top of the world, the bottom of the world, but the end of the world, as we were talking about climate change here. What we're really talking about is the end of humanity. The world will adapt and go on. We are going to be the ones who are extinct. It ponders that philosophically and scientifically and still makes room for one of the scientists wearing a t-shirt that says fuck everything and become a pirate so uh it's that kind of documentary it's one of my favorites of the festival so far i haven't picked a favorite because i haven't seen everything but uh the expedition to the end of the world is high in the running 
uh, finally in the best category, I want to talk about a film that I've been hearing about for uh, you know a year and a half now, uh, more than that, close to two years, uh, called Your Next. It's a horror film, home invasion style horror film from director Adam Wingard that played at Fantastic Fest in 2011 and has been, from people who have been there and have seen it elsewhere, it's been getting nothing but uh, buzz in, 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 in the online internet uh, film fan circles that I uh, travel in. So, uh, I was very excited to get to see it, and it did not disappoint. It started off... Now, you know, because I can be a bit queasy, and it starts off... Well, the whole film was pretty brutal, but it's kind of upsetting early on. It's disturbing, you know. Violent things are happening to people that don't deserve them. But uh, the film, not all at once, but, uh, but fairly quickly, takes a turn, and becomes a uh, rollicking good time to be a, a to, to quote uh, a, any movie poster uh, it, it, um, the audience here was laughing and cheering and gasping and uh, going Ugh, and just all sorts of there were visceral reactions from the audience and it was um, one of the most fun movie going experiences that I've had in in, in quite a while to be in a room full of people who were that into the film just you know second to second reacting to to this film that is uh very bloody very fun and very funny actually so those are the best uh i don't want to spend too much time on the worst because i don't want to be too mean but um i'll say the worst film i saw is uh, a, a, a a small film called 40 years from yesterday which I was interested in it's about um just the process of grieving or it should be about that it takes place in the couple days after a woman dies and mostly follows her husband and her and and their three grown daughters um as they prepare for uh and go to the funeral um and i liked the idea but the 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 film had no weight to it but it was trying to get across weight by having just long long shots where nothing seems to happen and um the the performances were not what this sort of film needed it, you know you really have to put a lot in to the performances I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it but it was um pretty much a failure across the board i liked the 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 stuff uh, you know sort of backstage isn't the right word but behind the scenes i guess at the funeral parlor where they're preparing the body um i very much liked uh that stuff so the other film i'd i've i saw that i would say was a disappointment is the much buzzed about ain't them body saints um and no i'm not giving it a bad notice just because of its dumb title um i think it's a it's a competently made film and has some great performances it, it really does stick the ending but the the process there just it just never lifts off it's all very stately and uh you know structured together in a respectable way but it uh is not there's not a lot of interest there there's not a lot of there's no joy it's very grim and dour but it doesn't earn that i you know there are grim and dour films that i like but uh it just sort of plods along 
and then puts together a pretty great inning. The, uh, and then finally, I want to mention I'm putting this in the other category because it's not uh, a new film or it's not, it's not in competition or any of that. But uh, they are showing a couple of old films, and I saw one of them. Uh, finally, got around to seeing Fellini's Amarcord, if I'm saying that right. Uh, I'd never seen it before, and it, um, you know, uh, it's again kind of like the act of killing if i'd known more about it i might have been more wary because it's a very vulgar uh film um it's very it's it's often very juvenile uh which is which is odd given that it's one of his later films in life but it's not odd if you know you know what his later films are like uh he he, uh it's based on his memories of growing up in a small town in italy and uh, it's it's very sort of um, what's the word episodic. It's lots of vignettes. It takes place over the course of a year in this small town, and all these different things happen. You get to know some of the some of the characters in the town, and uh, there's a lot of sexual humor, flatulence humor, and all kinds of stuff that I, on paper, um, don't tend to respond to, uh, and yet it had. Uh, uh, and an underlying and uh boldly represented humanity or humanism i guess um it you know it it saw it saw the the um very relatable yearning in humanity in teenage boys uh checking out a shopkeeper's breasts <laughs> uh that and that sort of thing uh i i very much enjoyed it i would i would see it again so I will talk to you again in a few days. Again, read uh, more about uh, me going into more depth on some of these films and talking about some other films on the website. And uh, stay tuned for the po- uh, to the podcast for more updates from 2013's Los Angeles Film Festival. Thank you.